What's up, Florida State Fords fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Knoll Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler, Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat, back now with Antoine Staley. Talking now, I guess, after a uh, a big Florida State basketball win Monday night against Virginia. I mean, you look at that game. It was a game that was definitely a, a litmus test type game, especially, I mean, after a pretty underwhelming performance Saturday. Uh coming off against Wake Forest, I mean, needing overtime and, and a last-second shot to even force overtime against Wake Forest, and they come out and stomp the team atop the ACC standings. I mean, I guess, how much do you read into that game and, and what it says about this team's ceiling, Antoine? I think, well, I think both of us, like, I don't want to speak for you, but uh, I think both of us thought their ceiling was pretty high to begin with anyway. I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship or anything, but I, I think they're a contender. I definitely think uh, once you get into tournament play, anything can happen. Uh, it's all about matchups and where you're seated and who else um, is in your bracket. And uh, I definitely think uh, when it's all said and done, I really think this this team could be, you know, possible Elite Eight, maybe Final Four. We'll see uh, from there. But, yeah, I think um, they have a talented group there. I think um, some people might be a little surprised at how well this team is um, shaping up, especially this um, time of the season, especially considering all the losses that they had last year, uh, first-round picks and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, they're they're hitting, they're clicking on all cylinders at the right time, especially with uh, coming off a second COVID pause, it seems like. So, yeah, we'll see how um, things shake out at the end of the year. But, yeah, I definitely think this is one of the better teams that I've seen in college, college basketball this year. I mean, I, I tweeted something to the effect during the game Monday night. I mean, especially, I think I tweeted it, I don't know if I tweeted it late first half when they were up big or kind of late second half when they kind of held off the UVA charge and then built that lead back up. But, I mean, that team from Monday night, and given – we haven't seen that team look like that a ton this season. We have a couple other times. I mean, they had an offensive game against, like that against NC State. They've had, I mean, they're a the very, very strongly efficient team at, at the offensive end especially. So, I mean, that helps them. And when you shoot like that, you can beat a lot of teams. That team, though, can play with anyone. I think there are a pretty clear-cut 1A, 1B in some order of Gonzaga and Baylor this year, where yeah. those teams are both, I would say, a cut above everyone else on any given day. But part of the allure of the NCAA tournament is that uh, on any given day, a team can rise up, a team can underperform. I mean, there's so much variance in the NCAA tournament that I feel like you don't see the best team that over the course of the season win the NCAA tournament that often. And I mean, the team we saw Monday night can play with anyone they can play with any of those one seeds are they going to be a one seed no i think their losses are too bad where the, even if they went on a run and won out that probably isn't in that ceiling especially because there's a couple teams that are real solid so it'd be interesting to see i guess what their ncaa tournament like seed ceiling could be but i mean that only matters so much like you said part of it's about matchups and so much of that's variable but it's pretty clear that I think this team's floor may be a bit lower than last year's team. I think they are can struggle a little more with consistency, especially at the defensive end. But this team's ceiling, I would say, is just as high as that team's ceiling. Yeah, I think um, the NCAA had their rankings, the top 16 teams, come out last Saturday. and um, Which, can we say, sorry, how stupid it is to do that before <laughs> a full weekend of games? Yeah, I, I, that's what I was about to say. I was about to get into that, which I yeah, I really don't necessarily uh, agree with. But th- nevertheless, they, they did that anyway, and Virginia was on there. And, yeah, I, I think uh, just coming into that game, I, I mean, I was thinking Florida State might be around a fifth seed or somewhere. They're just on the outside of that. 
Now you have to think, uh, depending on what may happen the rest of the season, they're definitely going to knock at the door, if, if not get into that top uh, 16 seedings in there. Uh, I just think that for what they did, especially the way that they rolled Virginia, I don't think it's necessarily the, the fact that they won. I think the, the manner at which they did it. And, yeah, I, I think that everybody's starting to take notice and understand that this is really a good basketball team there. We'll, we'll see. You touched on the consistency part. I think that's been the big thing with this team there. Can they – keep that level of consistency because we've seen it. They had they had a five-game winning streak, ended up losing to Georgia Tech. They had a loss to UCF early on in the season at home, ended up losing to Clemson too as well. So, yeah, it's, it's about just maintaining that consistency the rest of the way there. I, I think they have a chance to win the rest of their regular season games. And then after that, once you come to the ACC tournament, anything can happen from there. So if they can do that and continue to build that resume, I think um, possibly, you know, I wouldn't be surprised maybe a three seed uh, would be, you know, that could be a three seed when come tournament time. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think that's definitely possible. I think there is maybe a world if they want out and some other stuff happen where they could maybe even sl- slide into one of those bottom of the two seed Spots that would require probably winning out and probably also winning the ACC championship, yeah, which is hardly a given. But I mean, I, I think it's there's definitely a world where that's possible, and then they'd be on the same line they probably would have been last year, which is, I mean, it, all remarkable. I mean, I think if those top 16, obviously, if they got redone right now, Florida State would be again the highest seeded, highest ranked ACC team. I mean, I think there's a world where right now they could even be a three seed at the moment just because of how impressive a win that was. I mean, the interesting thing about Virginia and kind of looking back is I think they've played three top 40 Ken Palm teams in the Ken Palm rankings and they're 0 three and they've lost those games by an average of 19 points that not to take away from Virginia that I think is a quite good team, but this year's Virginia team from what the evidence they've shown seems like a team that, takes care of business when it's supposed to and doesn't rise up to those biggest tests. Like kind of the the best teams manhandle them. I mean, that's been the case all season. Virginia Tech beat them pretty handily. Gonzaga really beat them. And, and Florida State, too. I mean, it, it, the way that game went. They have, I mean, the interesting thing, if you're looking at, I guess, the ACC championship is Florida State needs Virginia to probably lose a game. Either lose a game or miss a couple games due to COVID issues in order to kind of open the door for them to maybe win another ACC championship. They have two Ken Palm top 40 games left. They're playing at Louisville and at Duke. Duke is not Duke this year, but I think the talent remains there where they could rise up on any given day. And Louisville has had success, some success against Virginia somewhat recently. So, I mean, those are both games that present themselves. I, I would venture to say, I mean, that's two tough games and Florida state, could lose any game. I'm not saying they're by any means invulnerable, but the real tough game I would say left on their schedule, they have two hosting Virginia Tech this weekend. If that happens, Virginia Tech's and still in a COVID pause and uh, at North Carolina are really the two outside of that. I mean, at Notre Dame home against Boston college at Miami, you feel good about those. Although again, anything can happen. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think I think the main thing is for the for Florida State just to keep care take care of it. No matter what happens in the regular season, if if they can win the ACC tournament, I think that's a big thing too. I mean, look, hey Virginia, yeah, they could possibly lose another game. I don't know if they will, but uh, I don't know if you can cancel a count on that either, especially. Uh, 
after coming off a loss the way they did, they might recharge and get refocused and everything like that. So I think uh, for, yeah, like you said, for Florida State, yeah, just make sure you take care of business there. Uh, we'll see if they play Virginia Tech this upcoming weekend there too. Um, like you said, they're still in the COVID pause as well. I, I think the main thing for me is looking at Virginia if they're if they're hitting they're one of the best three point shooting teams in America. If they're hitting their three pointers, for what I've seen, then they're they're one of the teams that they're they're an unstoppable team. But if they're not, they're kind of struggling with that. And they still shot the ball pretty well, uh, relatively against Florida State too. But if they're not hitting the shots the way that they're normally accustomed to well, from long range, then it could be a long night. And I think that's when you start to find trouble, especially when you got teams that are bigger than them, like Gonzaga, like a Florida State, too, as well. And that's the, that's what I've seen late, early on this season. Yeah, listening in on, on Tony Bennett talking after that game, I mean, he talked about how, how Florida State's size, their athleticism, their length really made things tough for them inside and made them – it just made any getting any kind of offensive attack inside really difficult. And, I mean, yeah, the same is definitely true of Gonzaga. Virginia Tech, I don't know if that's entirely the case. I think Virginia Tech just kind of had an insane shooting performance yeah. when they played them. But, yeah, I know it's – I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, Florida State fans, I can't imagine, find themselves pulling for Duke very often. But I imagine <laughs> they might be this weekend because – you just need one Virginia loss, one more Virginia loss, and then you control your own de- destiny. And the truth is, I mean – does an ACC championship mean another one? I should say mean anything in terms of guaranteeing any postseason success or anything like that? No, like it is purely it would just be a, a chance to hang another banner. But I mean, I just I it, it would be a remarkable accomplishment for a program with kind of Florida State's pedigree historically, not recently, but historically to lose three really important players, two of whom were first-round draft picks, and to now be in contention and potentially win another ACC championship. I mean, I, I am hardly breaking any new ground here, but you really can't say enough for the job that Leonard Hamilton and his staff have done. I mean, it's frankly remarkable. And yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I agree with you. I think – uh, I don't think he's still one of the most underrated head coaches uh, in America, really. Uh, I know he's up for the, the Nation of Hall of Fame this year, too. But, yeah, I think uh, just the job that he's done, not only just at Florida State, but you look at – you go back to when he was at Miami and just the, the Hurricanes, and he did a, he did an excellent job there, too. And it was a long time until really Leonardo, Jim Leonardo came around before Miami had some of that same, same similar type of success once again. But, yeah, I, I think – uh, just went, putting this stamp and winning a, another ACC championship, whether it be regular season or even the tournament, I, I think that would speak volumes about him and also where the program is at. And uh, they talk about the new buzz there. But, yeah, they I think they're just as every bit of a good as a program as a Duke, as a North Carolina. They just don't have the lineage and the history of the program like those guys, like those teams have. Uh, what, what I'll ask you this because uh, I, I think it's a good question. What like what percentage do you think that we will see a Virginia and Florida State matchup in the ACC tournament once again a rematch? Because it seems like what whether way or the other is going to be one or two. These teams are going to be one and two in the ACC tournament. Uh, I, I I don't think it's likely to happen, but I think that would be the matchup. I think everybody would like to see. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I I, I think not to discredit Virginia Tech. A, a Clemson who at its best can be among that conversation. A North Carolina 
who's having a decent bounce back year after a really disappointing year last year. But it's, I think it's pretty clear they're the two clear-cut top teams. Virginia Tech, I think, at its best can be in that conversation. But Virginia Tech, we've seen them struggle with some consistency issues like a Clemson at times. The wins are good. Some of the, the losses, not so much. So, I mean, it's a... I, I think you're probably looking at a, a 50% chance. Okay. I I, I, the thing with Virginia is it just seems like Virginia is, is kind of built for the ACC tournament with daily and daily and daily games because, I mean, they... It just it's so hard to prepare for that on such short notice. FSU did a remarkable job. I think it, you can make the case that the FSU coaching staff and how they scout them really has their numbers. I mean, they're I think I saw a stat the other day. They're three and two against Virginia over the last three years, and the rest of the ACC is eight and sixty one. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So they. I mean, it's funny you bring up the ACC tournament. I mean, I remember. I think it was two years ago. The last time those two teams faced you know, often an ACC tournament and FSU kind of handily beat a that Virginia team too. That was, I mean, yeah. the team that went on to win the title. Yeah. They handed that team their last loss of the year in, I remember, think pretty convincing fashion in the ACC tournament. So, I mean, it's it would be a pretty remarkable matchup. I think it's a safe assumption to say. It feels like if it happens, it would be in the final. Yeah. So maybe I'd say less than 50% because of that because it would require both teams to win out. But, I mean, I think you're looking at the two clear-cut top teams in the conference, even with how Monday played out. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised by it, but then again, you look at the history of the tournament and you know, just kind of my background, just growing up in North Carolina, just watching the tournament for years. It's it's very rare that you have one and two meet each other. But I don't know, it, obviously, it has happened a ton, but not probably not as uh, much as a lot of people think. And yeah, I, I think it's I think it's very possible, but I don't know if it's likely because yeah, I, I agree with you about Virginia because. They their style just really grinds on teams, really. Uh, whether it be oh, yeah. offensively and also defensively too, uh, just with the suffocating defense. They're one of the most stingiest defenses in the college basketball, not just the ACC. So yeah, it's it's tough to prepare that in such a in a days like less than a days notice. You go from game to game, and yeah, and not only have to deal with that, and now they're a really good offensive team, uh, especially from the three point line. So you also have to prepare for that too. So. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think they are more or less built for that. Florida State, like you said, they've had some issues with consistency at times. It it wouldn't surprise me if they were to win the ACC tournament, no. But it also wouldn't surprise me if they were to drop a game too to maybe like a you know like a Clemson or Virginia Tech or something like some some team like that too, just simply because of what we've seen and you know we saw it kind of with the Wake Forest game, even though I know they came out of pause there too as well. Wake Forest has had a incredible shooting day from the three-point line and I think that's been part of Florida State's Achilles heel a better part of the season just defending the three two as well and uh they almost caught that bug and almost got upset about um, from Wake Forest too so yeah I, I think like they can win the ACC championship the tournament but like I say it wouldn't surprise me if they were to go lose and maybe like the semifinals or something like that too as well I mean, the ACC tournament's going to be a bizarre experience yeah. all around this year just because I mean by that point all teams will be within kind of the the weekly the week leading up to the start of the NCAA tournament where they'll be in daily – they'll get getting daily tested. They'll be quarantined in a hotel in Greensboro, obviously. But, I mean, it's – there. It, it seems like a tournament's going to happen now. It feels like it would be pretty late to call it off now. And the truth is, as much sense as it would make in some cases, it would be brutal for – 
the, it, what you love about college basketball, something you love, at least something I love, is that every team's got that chance. That the, uh, the tournament gives you an auto bid. So a team that has no business being in the tournament, that isn't close to the field, could get hot and go on a run and win that. And it doesn't happen a ton in the ACC. It happens more, I would say, in, in lesser conferences, yeah. the, the, the mid-major type conferences. But it, it would go against kind of the, the college basketball it just feels like the creed of like everyone gets that chance in the postseason if you didn't have the tournament. It was trending that way for a while. I haven't heard as much about it lately. Obviously, for a team like Florida State, they don't need the ACC tournament. I mean, I'm not sure that Leonard Hamilton is going to turn down the games, but there's the risk that comes with traveling no matter where you're going and no matter how safe the quarantine is. There's still an inherent risk that that it can cause issues. And, I mean, if issues popped up then, that could cause – that would co- for someone to be out for the NCAA tournament, which would be, I mean, a huge deal. Yeah, for me, I would like to see them, instead of doing the tournament this year, just for this year, and I, I love the ACC tournament, don't get me wrong. Same. But, uh, I, I love to see them, the games that they postpone. Like, I would like to see them just what, just play those games that week. Like, let's play two games. And then I think that would help them. That would, I mean, you're not worried about travel. You're kind of either you're going one place or you're staying at home. And you're able to kind of make up those games too, as well. That's what I would do. I think and maybe maybe pot up or something like that. Maybe yeah. like like do like softballs doing where like I know like the FSU softball team this weekend's playing I think six games all in Atlanta. They're playing three against Georgia Tech and three against Virginia Tech. Maybe do something like that of pick four sites and have all the games be played there. That yeah. kind of thing, you know, and have all teams just travel to one of those and stay there for the whole week. Yeah, because I think I mean they're still talking about postponing postponing games. We, we know they're not going to make them up. There's no time. Like it's, no, there's, there's no, no room on FSU yeah, schedule. I've yeah. had a lot of people or asking me about that. Anybody's schedule for that? Yeah, <laughs> like we're running out Virginia, of time. Virginia could make one up. Like they have an extra spot on their schedule. They have a, a midweek or a weekend buy still, because they only have four games left FSU and a lot of teams have five, but most teams, that's not the case. I mean, you, as much as I'm sure FSU would love to add a game in terms of getting closer to Virginia in the standings, because if both teams went out, Virginia would win the conference because they played more games as unfortunate as that is for FSU. I don't think they would want to add it at the cost of having to make what's going to be a tough final stretch of the season that much more brutal. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you don't want to have three games. Really, you're essentially having three games in a week, and I don't think they necessarily want to do that. We've we actually seen this team kind of go through it, have a stretch where they had three games in a seven-day span, and that didn't, they didn't necessarily look very well, even although that was early on in the season. But still, yeah, you don't necessarily want to do that. And obviously, you know, you want to stay as healthy as you can headed into the tournament, ACC tournament and also the NCAA tournament and uh, beyond. So, I, I mean, here, here here's the thing now for me. I mean, obviously, I think a lot – you hope, everyone hopes that Florida State's able to keep that home game this weekend. It's still up in the air. I think, I mean, it's definitely a no news is good news thing because the game would have been postponed or called off by now if the ACC knew that Virginia Tech wasn't going to be able to out, come out of the pause. I haven't heard that they're definitely back yet. And that's getting a little dicey because it's, what, three games out? So unless they're back – today maybe tomorrow i can't imagine they'd feel comfortable playing but i mean it's a it's a big game for a variety of reasons i mean it'd be a huge resume boost opportunity against a a ranked team be another home game it'll get you closer potentially to the acc streak i mean if you if fsu loses this game 
and doesn't get a made-up home game later, which there's again there's not really room for in the schedule, uh, then they wouldn't be able to tie the ACC home win streak record this season. Yeah. They would have just one left. They're too short of the Duke record. So uh, that doesn't mean anything in the scheme of things. But I mean, it'd be it would be. I'm sure it's, it's something that the fans care about. It's not. I'm sure it's something if you ask the team about. I'm sure Leonard Hamilton would downplay any significance of that. But it's it, it's something remarkable that i think a lot of people want to see them potentially tie this season with two wins yeah i mean they that that place uh the civic center or tucker center man it's one of the i don't think a lot of people think it's one of the tougher places to play in college basketball but you look the proof is in the pudding i mean just the amount of the the wins that they've had uh they had the non-conference streak until uh ucf ended up beating them in december and they still have the acc streak going on and yeah i mean uh a lot of people talk about you know cameron indoor or you talk about uh the the, uh, dean Doan and some of the other places too uh virginia's uh uh, arena too as well but yeah, I, I think uh, the way they've played in uh, this Tucker Center the last few years, man, you gotta give you gotta give them credit, and you know they love. And I can tell you, just that game on Monday, it was like limited attendance, but it felt like it was probably like fifteen thousand people in there, just the kind of the noise and the atmosphere, and you could just tell it was a big game. Like it's yeah. just, it really was. You could just tell, like people were just on edge, and it was like that even before tip off began. I, I'm excited for you to get to, I guess, hopefully next year, witness a packed house in, in the Tucker Center. Because, I mean, I think Jay Billis said as much last year. I mean, who goes all those places, is in those huge arenas, is at big games consistently. He said something to the effect last year, I think, of the Tucker Center is the loudest place I've been this season. He was there, I want to say, for the FSU-Louisville game, where FSU was down big early and rallied back and, and won. And there were a couple moments in that game. The... Uh, Patrick Williams had a huge dunk in transition where, I mean, you wanted to cover your ears. It was so, like, loud in there. It's one of those, like, the building is shaking loud, loud things. And, and, and I mean, then the Trent Forrest poster on Jordan Nwora late in that game was another one. I mean, the game was over at that point, effectively. But that's, I mean, it's just a cathartic moment of, I mean, it's another one where the building was shaking. I mean, it's a credit to FSU pouring money into that building to – uh Turn it from, I mean, the FSU coaches, we talked to them last year for a story. They talked about, uh, I'm sure you've seen it in other arenas. They used to have until just a couple of years ago, like the Skittles seats, like those seats in the arena where they're all different colored. And, you know, it's just like the the prototypical, like cheap arena setup. Yeah. And I mean, FSU, the FSU coaches will talk candidly about they didn't used to uh, take recruits to see the arena when they were visiting. Oh, wow. They'd show them the basketball training facility. They'd show them the cool parts of campus. They would try not to show them the arena unless they asked because they knew it's really not that impressive. So credit FSU for the money they've poured into the arena that makes it more appealing to recruits. That makes it something they want to show off and they want kids to come watch a game in. And 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 I mean, it, and that's not to say that is why this recent success has happened, but it has helped Leonard Hamilton and his staff get the type of players that even if they're not, haven't been, I should say, they kind of are next year recruiting at the level of those top tier programs. It's allowed them to get the kids that have allowed to get this rolling. 
Yeah, I mean, you're competing. You're competing for recruits and, you know, on the court against Duke or North Carolina or, you know, teams that have history like a Syracuse and recently Virginia uh, and teams of that nature, too, as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's important to have a great facility, especially if you're going to, you know, a lot of those kids are being recruited by those same schools. So, yeah, you want to make sure you're facilities are you know airtight and as good as they can be and i think they've done a really really good job to really turn around their program whether it be the facilities or also just you know leonard the job that leno hamilton has done and as you talked about there uh, they have a big time recruiting class coming in next year so it's going to be interesting to see how good this team is next year despite they're going to lose um, a few players too as well but yeah i'm sure we'll talk about that a lot but man this i i'm curious to see how this team just handles this win against Virginia because well, if had they assuming that they play against uh, Virginia Tech on Saturday because that was such a big win there you could tell that the players circled this game they want they really wanted it they knew how good they knew Virginia was number one in the standings and they gave it all they had and um and shot the ball is impressive that they have all season yeah you're absolutely right it will be interesting to see how they handle it I will say from what I've heard I anticipate a game of some sort being played by FSU this weekend. If it's not Virginia Tech, there are enough other teams in pauses or dealing with COVID issues that it's possible one of the other games that's been postponed, the opponent of that game, will be free. Okay. I I think one way or another, FSU will play this weekend. There's no guarantee it will be at home. There's no guarantee it will be against Virginia Tech. But I do think if it's not Virginia Tech, they'll find something else. For instance, Pittsburgh's supposed to play Clemson, host Clemson this weekend. And Clemson also is in a COVID pause as of just early this week. So that's another one where I'm skeptical of if they'll be able to be ready to go for Sunday. And so if they can't go Sunday, I don't wonder if they try and put on that FSU Pittsburgh game again up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that makes sense, too, since the game's been postponed twice. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, would, that would make a lot of sense, too, as well. And uh, the only thing, bad thing for Florida State is that uh, that would, didn't mean four of the last five games would be on the road. So, But then again, you know, you at least you're playing instead of not, play, not playing on Saturday. You want to kind of keep up that momentum as much as you can as, instead of just sitting and not playing the game. So it does beat that. So. But yeah, I, I definitely think um, yeah, I think it's it'll be a benefit of them if they can get it, get back on the court somehow this weekend. You're you're right. It would be it would make for a, a back a brutal in terms of home road split for the back half. The alternative to that, though, I mean, is that FSU's had I think five games postponed. Four of them have been road games. So I think they've played so far. What I think they've played ten games, and I want to say. How many of them? I mean, the majority of them have been at home. They've played at Louisville. They've played at Clemson. They've played at Georgia Tech. Is that the only three ACC road games? Am I missing one? Or uh, I'm looking it up now, actually. So, yeah, I mean, they've had. If they, I mean, if they've only played because they, they've yeah, had. That's it. <laughs> and those are the only road games they've played, period, because they didn't go on the road in non-conference. So, yeah. I mean. So they're they, they, they've been lucky in that regard and that they've lost road games not home games yeah. and that's to say they some of those couldn't have been wins uh, the boston college game especially with bc scholarship situation oh, if they've been God. able to play that yeah. would have been you, you had to think that uh, you, you count that as a win yeah. i mean weird things can happen but you'd feel good about counting that pittsburgh yeah. game is tougher i mean the florida state struggled there historically justin champagne is i mean the probable acc player of the year even on a team that isn't uh, will need has work to do to put itself kind of on the NCAA tournament bubble 
I mean, he's he is remarkable, and and I would probably be my pick for ACC Player of the Year now. So I mean, they've been lucky in that they've lost the road games, not home games, and that might come back to bite them a little on the back stretch now with what's going to be a tough uh, schedule. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I think I actually felt bad for Boston College um, if they had played that yes. game because it you know you have that lower scholarship players and you're playing with scout players. Uh, that that was just a would have been a bad situation, and then you f- you feel bad for Jim Christian too. He ended up getting fired earlier this week too, as well. So yeah, that's just a just a bad situation going on at Boston College too, as well. And uh, it, it yeah, I I definitely feel I definitely felt bad for him in that situation because they coming out of COVID pause and you know you're not winning games and you have to deal with that, and now uh, you end up getting dismissed. So it, it's been it was been a tough situation for BC this year. You wonder how much of the fact that Jim Christian was pretty candidly saying, I don't want to play, it's coming from above my head that we're being told we're playing. You wonder if that didn't play a role in him not getting just fired at the end of the season. Yeah. Because it doesn't really make sense to move now. Boston College season's going to be over in three weeks. But that was my thing, too. I was like, what's the point of firing him now unless they... I think it's yeah. he may have offended somebody. I would I would guess that's not me intel. I just that's a I mean it's a tough situation. That's a tough place to win. Yeah, I yeah it's a tough place to win anyway. And then you're dealing with COVID and everything that comes with it, and you know the lack of players. And yeah, I, I yeah he was pretty candid on the conference call um, before the game. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I don't think this game should be played, but yeah, I, that's not my decision. That's he, he pretty much pointed in the administration's decision, this way to say they, they want to play the game. Like, he didn't want anything to do with that. So, yeah, you could be right on that. <laughs> I uh, I don't want to uh, dwell on next season kind of for FSU basketball too much because, I mean, obviously we're still in the heat of this season. I mean, it's it's really getting to crunch time. But I, the, the, the thing with FSU, you talked about, I guess, who they're going to lose off next year's team or off this year's team for next year. And obviously they're bringing in a, a fantastic recruiting class, both high school and – adding uh, the, the Houston transfer. Is it Caleb Mills? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, so they, they will be in great shape for next year. And, and you knew, I think you knew, seniors get the extra year eligibility. That affects what MJ Walker, not that I think he will use it. I think he'll, be, be it NBA or be it overseas, he'll be playing basketball professionally next year, I would imagine. Yeah. doesn't really make sense for him to come back. Uh, Tenor and Gom, I think you expect him back just because I think uh, he gets the free year and could stand to get another year in the system. And then I think the wild card there is Raekwon Evans. It's I, it's in a very interesting. I mean, I think without Scotty Barnes next year, because you anticipate losing him as a one and done, I think you, uh, he will, he may, whether he, I think he starts the year as a starting point guard if he comes back. And I think that could be big for him. I mean, obviously he's been the starter recently with, yeah. since Scotty Barnes's injury, he's, he's been the starting point guard. So, he could have an even bigger role next year if he comes back. I would lean towards probably yes. I don't know which way you would lean on on yeah. Raekwon. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, yeah, I would definitely say yes for him. Um, I, I think I could see him coming back too as well, Evans. So, but yeah, I think the wild card, the interesting one, and you kind of touched on. I it think on the there's tweet. two. Uh, you know, Raekwon Gray, whose yes. really game has been elevated to another level the last few weeks. And, you know, it doesn't take much for uh, to get hot and, you know, NBA scouts to start paying attention. And then he's gotten a really good shape too as well. He's playing the all-around game on both sides of the court. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. Depending on where his draft grade might be, then, yeah, he might decide, you know, I might take my talents to the NBA. But, yeah, we'll, he we'll see. Started, 
he started earlier this year popping up on NBA draft boards. And this is really before the recent tear he's been on, which I'm sure has only helped him in that regard. Like he's been a guy who started to be mocked as a, a second round pick. The interesting thing, and, and credit to Leonard Hamilton and his staff, they normally do right by kids. I mean, Jonathan Isaac has told the story since of he wanted to come back for a second season, and the staff kind of told him, man, no, go, go, you're ready, another year won't help you, go. And he went and was, what, a top five, six pick. But I, I think you could sell a guy like Raekwon on, if he's projected second round, maybe late first, that if he came back and, and played like he has recently, I mean, for a longer stretch, if he... I mean, his role would only grow. His talent would only grow. I think he could be a guy who could, uh, who could, I mean, really help his draft stock with another year. And be, with this year not counting, it wouldn't even be. He wouldn't even come back as a senior. He'd be coming back, I think, as like an extra redshirt junior or yeah. whatever they want to call it. Yeah. The uh, the interesting one though, and I want your opinion on this. Okay. The the, the guy that another is another wild card because I agree with you on Raekwon is Balsa. Yes. Because. Balsa, the other night, when he had the like three-possession stretch where he hit the mid-range, hit the three, and then like went ISO and like dribbled past Sam Hauser and like beat him off the dribble with that speed, there was like a Balsa maybe starting to get some some NBA hype, even though he's only a redshirt freshman. Yeah, I um I, I did an article here earlier this year and. Uh, the coaching staff told me, uh, Stan Jones, and also Leonard Hamilton actually told me this, he had been working on his jump shot. And it's something that he hadn't seen yet. He hadn't got the confidence to do it in the game. But he has demonstrated long range, his own range ability throughout practice. So when I saw that shot, or I first saw the mid-range, I was like, oh, wow, this is what they were talking about. And then he stepped out for the three and looked so confident at it. I was like, oh, okay. So, But, yeah, I actually thought that, uh, the way he was playing early on in the season – I, I thought he looked like an NBA guy, and now he he's demonstrating that ability to shoot home range shots. And I think he's a solid defender too, as well, shot blocker. And you know, NBA loves size, especially guys that can demonstrate demonstrate they can shoot at long range too. It can be a stretch four, four or five, uh, five for him. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's definitely a good call because yeah, I definitely could see him depending on how he plays the rest of the season. He could decide to uh, go ahead and enter the NBA draft, too. That definitely wouldn't totally surprise me at all. Thank uh, thank Louisville for that one because he was very much trending towards uh, Louisville in his recruitment, and then the whole Rick Pitino scandal went down, and oh. he wound up at FSU. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that so, would do it, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a uh, thank you, Rick Pitino, from the FSU coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, he's another one. I think the case can be made. He's not probably going to play himself into being a – lotto or maybe even mid to late first round type guy and i think he has the potential to be that type of guy if he comes back i mean i think if the staff sells him on coming back working on the showing the the perimeter shooting more and the mid-range more showing his range as a scorer i mean and, and another year will only benefit him in terms of putting on more weight in terms of just continuing to be a presence inside i mean he's he he struggled at times with foul discipline and that's a tough lesson to learn for for bigs getting used to this level but he's he's gotten better at points this season and so i think he's a guy who i think you could genuinely pitch come back and you can help your draft stock it's probably a similar pitch to what you had for a guy like uh, fiondu cabangeli a couple of years ago given he went on to the nba and i think balsa could go that route but i think you have genuine pitches to both raekwon gray and balsa of you 
you can improve your draft stock with one more year. Yeah, I think Bosa, yeah, I definitely think he can – I think the NBA is about potential, and that's pretty much what it boils down to. And I think he's shown a lot of potential during his time, whether this year or not he's – I know he suffered some injuries last year, but he's definitely shown a lot of potential. And now you're seeing him shooting the long range there, although it was kind of in a couple of brief moments there. If he can continue to show that consistently throughout the rest of the season – I think people are going to start to fall in love with him, and yeah, I, I, like I, said, I wouldn't be surprised um, definitely to see him. Like, it wouldn't be a lottery pick, but you know, one of those teams down there in the twenties or thirties. Uh, where where Fiondu went? Yeah, so I definitely could see him being um, a team that could that's already a contender that's looking for a bit man that can develop him that he they could take a um, flyer on them, decide to go ahead and draft them. So, yeah, I definitely think that's a really good possibility, if not also an early second-round pick. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, uh, it's, I, I don't want to dwell too much on that. We'll have plenty of time to uh, to get into that this offseason, I mean, and, and as those guys are making those types of decisions. But there are definitely a couple guys who are entering the – FSU's got to hope they get him for another year territory because and they'll be okay without him. It's not a – losing both of them would hurt, but losing both of them or either of them wouldn't be a devastating blow to next year's team. But you start – I mean I'm sure fans start salivating thinking about getting them back with the guys you're bringing in and what oh, next man. year's team could look like. Yeah, that would be just – That'd be the best case scenario. I probably think they they'll probably lose one of them. I don't know which one it might be, but yeah, I, I think I I kind of lean towards um, them keeping Bolsa. But then again, it wouldn't surprise me if he decided to go too. But yeah, I think he want you. The best case scenario, I think the one you would less likely to happen, and they keep one of them, and then somebody else goes, and then you still have that top of the notch talent that's returning, and top of the great recruiting class that you have coming in as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that in the months to come. We'll definitely have plenty more basketball content here uh, here down the, the stretch of the season as well as we have all year. So we'll keep you uh, abreast of that. I mean, we can touch on some other stuff here before we go. I mean, football, they're still in tour duty. We're, what, now only about, what, 20 or so days out from the start of spring practice given it doesn't seem like the media is going to be able to be at spring practice which is unfortunate for a variety of reasons but i mean it's a it seems like the situation where just we're we're not going to get in to watch just because of ongoing covid stuff but uh they uh tour duties ongoing they have their new they replaced carlos lachlan yesterday officially they added uh Ryan Bartow is the new director of, of high school relations and dealing with those recruiting operations. It's a really interesting hire. I mean, he's a guy, he came from similar roles at Syracuse and Oregon, but he also has experience as a recruiting analyst for, for 247 Sports. And it, during that time, worked a lot in Florida, has a lot of Florida high school ties from his time uh, as, a, as a recruiting analyst. So I think that gets a lot of foots in feet in the door at places where Florida state and a staff that may not have had a lot of inbred inherited, like Florida ties. Yeah. It will help with that tremendously. Yeah. And he was um, there at Clemson as a recruiting analyst too, as well. Also North Carolina did some stuff there, football and basketball. So he's been around. So he definitely hit, had a footprint in the ACC before uh, you mentioned Syracuse there and also had a stint with Oregon, uh, 247 sports so yeah he the man knows recruiting uh anything you can 
do to benefit that area. I think it's a plus. We've seen the Norvell era and everything like that. They've done a really good job of trying to do the best they can as far as bringing the, trying to get the best recruits there. And uh, they're trying to extend that relationship. And I, I think it's very, very interesting hire, but also one that I think makes a lot of sense too when you're trying to make new footprints in different areas that you hadn't before. So, yeah, I, I, I think I'm curious to see how it ends up, how it helps them down the line as far as getting different recruits and um, maybe better recruits there down here in Tallahassee. Yeah, another, I guess, I don't think another, not official yet from FSU where they haven't announced that he's, I don't think, been added yet. I don't know if he's agreed to terms officially, but uh, a former Florida State DB, Nate Andrews, looks like he's going to be back on staff in some role as a a quality control or or something of that sort. I think back coaching, help coaching defensive backs. I mean, he played here in the most, in the recent uh, golden era, if you will, kind of in the the mid-2010s, was a part of some of those really good teams and was a multi-year contributor in the secondary, spent some time, I think until recently, was on Tennessee's staff in a similar role, but obviously losing the Jeremy Pruitt connection there, I think was looking for a, a new place and has landed back at Florida State. And so, I mean, it's always nice to see those guys uh, come back home. Yeah, um, you know, as you know, like it's, it's like a big family down here. So you got to have have a former player come back and um, be in a coaching capacity. I definitely think is a big thing. And also the success that he ended up having um, and as a defender, too, as well. I definitely think it would be beneficial to the staff as well. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, we'll have more. Obviously, I think we're going to start our uh, position previews soon for uh ahead of spring football so we'll we'll definitely start ramping up more of the football content it's been a little more basketball and other stuff focused recently but we'll have plenty of that we can end i guess we could talk of baseball i mean obviously now it's wednesday we're would be two days out from opening day now we're, we're three weather kind of pushed back the fsu baseball schedule this weekend they're opening against uh unf saturday oh, yeah. and then a double header on uh on sunday it should be a uh it's a long-awaited season. I think it's – I mean, they've been waiting for forever to get back out there after they only got to play like a, a third of their regular season schedule last year before the COVID cancellation. So, I mean, they're eager. I'm sure the fans, even if it's going to be a smaller crowd out there at DeKalb Stadium this year, is excited. And it's uh, – I mean, it's a good good time to, to be a Florida State sports fan with all that's happening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you got the doubleheader uh, this weekend on Sunday, and then you got you got a number of different games uh, for FSU there, as far as baseball with Pitt coming in, and you know you got a Merc- Mercer game midweek, and then you got Virginia the first weekend of uh, March. So yeah, uh, I definitely think it's uh, fun times there too as well. And yeah, I'm curious to see how the how the mid the lack of midweeks. This week, I mean, this year is going to put an effect on uh, meets uh, staff and also some lineup changes too as well. Because yeah, you're definitely going to have to do a lot. You have to be a little bit more creative than what you have been in the past too. I know he talked about using openers too um, in some series too as well. So I expect to see a lot of that this upcoming year where you're just playing a lot of um, weekend series. Yeah, the last time we talked to uh, Mike Martin Jr., the head coach, was last Friday, and even then, still, I mean, a week out from opening day. He said they still haven't kind of narrowed down who of the seven starting pitchers. They're kind of stretching out seven guys to go be able to go starter innings. He hasn't really been able to narrow down who the three from that group are going to be. And it's a good problem to have. And we've talked about the uh, the COVID issues that, that are probably going to pop up this season. So uh, it's nice to have seven guys who you feel good about and who are making the decision 
real hard. I mean, I think the one pretty clear one is Parker Messick. I think I expect him to be in the, the Friday role, I guess Saturday this weekend, but Friday most weeks. But beyond that, it's a really interesting uh, situation, no doubt, and it's a, a good problem to have for them with so many guys pushing for uh, for playing time. We're supposed to get Martin soon in the next couple of days ahead of Saturday season opener. I wonder if we'll have more clarity then or if it might be a, real, a truly down-to-the-wire decision of who those three starters are. Yeah, and I know he also talked about earlier um, this offseason, talked about um, really cross-training a lot of players in different positions too as well because it's going to be instances where it's going to be people that, you know, they have, you know, are out because of COVID protocols or contract taste and things of that nature too as well, man. They're going to have to, players are going to have to play different positions, some that they hadn't played before. So if you had any kind of experience, maybe in high school at a certain position, maybe you hadn't played there in a few years, you definitely, he's definitely looking to use players there. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how some of these lineups all come about, especially when you start factoring in the COVID issues. And then on top of that, also injuries, you know, injuries are, you know, a part of the game and they're going to happen too as well. So yeah, I, I definitely um, – it's going to be an intriguing season um, for a lot of different reasons too as well. So if you have an opportunity, I definitely think you should, you know, fans should get out there and uh, and just root for the team and also see some good baseball in the process as well. Yeah, no doubt. it's uh, it'll, it'll be an interesting time. I'm excited about a lot of it. I mean, I there's just something very relaxing about being out at Dick Hauser Stadium. For me, sitting in the, the press box, I know fans in the stadium, similar. I mean, maybe not when games get tense, but I mean, it's just, there's a comfortability there just uh, all around. I mean, maybe it's just baseball is a bit relaxing. I know some people say that's it puts them to sleep, but. That's how I feel. I feel like baseball just relaxes me. Like, I just, it's chill. So I yeah, know some, some people, people like some people boring. would say it puts them to sleep. Yeah, I, but I, I love it. Like I just feel at ease. Like football, you kind of like, okay, where's the next play going to happen? So you're kind of like on the edge a little bit. So, but yeah, baseball, you kind of relax and just kind of you kind of let the action just come to you, and then just just have a chill um, type of moment in the press box. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, we'll we'll have plenty of uh, coverage out there as well. I'm sure either me or Antoine, unfortunately, never both this year, just because of the limited press box attendance. We'll kind of be at those uh, those baseball games and have plenty of coverage of the season for y'all. I'd be remiss, I guess, as we're winding down here now, it being Wednesday early, late morning, early afternoon, to not mention that uh, the the Democrat that we both work for is running. I would say one of our better sales of the year right now. I mean, it runs through Thursday night. So you've got, if you're listening to this, hopefully shortly after it comes out, then you have time to, uh, to act on it. But I mean, right now, a dollar, $1 gets you six months of, uh, unlimited digital access to everything on Tallahassee.com. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a remarkable deal. A lot more of our, of our quality stories, the, the stories that you aren't going to read everywhere else are going to be kind of those premium-only stories, subscriber-only stories now that you kind of have to be a subscriber in order to read a lot of our best stuff. And that's just the way a lot of things are trending right now. And that's hardly worthy – like Gannett's hardly the only property that that's happening for. So, I mean, if you want to read a lot of the good stuff, I mean, that's – you have to make that move. I don't think we're going to offer a better deal the the rest of the year. And, I mean, if you made that move right now, if you subscribe today – February 17th, it would go through August 17th, and that would get you what? The rest of basketball? 
Yep. All of baseball, yep. the start of football, all of spring and the start of fall even. And I mean, I, I firmly believe and I would hope you do as well, Antoine, that anybody who makes that move even will stay a member just because of the quality of content that we're producing. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, yeah, we, we're putting out a lot of content recently, subscriber-only stories, uh, stories that either – like we're getting exclusively you or myself and yeah uh we appreciate the support uh we really do and yeah I, like it's, it's a good deal i mean a dollar like come on like i feel like uh people can at least uh i know it's hard times out there too as well like with everything going on but yeah we really appreciate it if you uh did support us there too too as well um and like i say you're getting the best articles and journalism that, that some some stories that you're not getting up elsewhere so yeah that's really the benefit of being a subscriber too well and it's not just sports too as well if you're in the area or even from the area as well you're getting uh, access to other stories that you may not see in other um publications too as well so yeah uh hopefully you decide to subscribe too as well uh we really we would really would appreciate it too as well and hope if you do subscribe you continue to subscribe and support us too and for the ones that already do we already we thank you and hope you continue to keep supporting us and um being a member and being a uh, subscriber of the tallahassee democrat as well no no doubt man uh well said we uh hope you hope you subscribe to the podcast as well that will be free obviously we're not not going to force you to get that content here, but a lot of our written content may, may be going that way. But we appreciate you for listening. We we hope to subscribe. We'll have another episode for you soon. I know uh, I'm trying to work on, on bringing some, some different stuff to the table. I, I think me and Antoine do well with the analysis, but I think I'm sure people also enjoy the, uh, the, the different voices that can kind of come talk be it a exclusive interview with mike norvell or alex atkins be it other people i mean just we're we're, we're, i'm working on stuff of that sort to kind of continue to bring fresh things to the uh podcast so we'll definitely have some interesting stuff over the uh months to come you can follow me i'm on twitter at kurt c-u-r-t-m weiler w-e-i-l-e-r antoine you're at antoine staley a-n-t-w-a-n-s-t-a-l-e-y on twitter yeah, we're, uh, all our stuff's going to be on Tallahassee.com, Thanks for uh, following. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.